on today's show, you know about some of the stars that the San Diego Padres have. You know about Tatis. You know about Manny. You know about Bogarts. But we got to talk about some X factors for this year. Players who I could see either end of the spectrum happening, and I think it will have a profound impact on the team. We're going to talk about some of those players and much more. Let's get into it. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day for Friday, February 9th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always, the most Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. And also, go check out my work at Just Baseball. Go check out my work at many other sites. I should probably work that into my intro from now on. That's what I've been thinking about lately. That's what that's what all my producers and my agents, you know what I mean? The million dollar agents that I have have been telling me is that you should probably, you know, explain who you are a little bit more in your interest. So I'm going to do that from now on, guys. Uh, I'm a writer and whatnot. Uh, but more importantly, also go check out on YouTube uh, for the show if you want to see the podcast in video form. And then also be sure to message me, comment, whatever, any type of comments uh, any type of questions, I should say, that you may have for the show. And one of them will be featured on today's show. So, shouts to that, guys. We're talking about some X-Factors. I've got a few players that I want to focus in on today that I really think there's a world where they're really bad or really good. And I think that they have some of the biggest impact on the team. So, basically what I'm saying is I kind of feel like, even at worst, Manny Machado is like a four-win player. This year, you know what I'm saying? Fernando Tatis Jr., I think he's an MVP contender. I think Xander Bogarts is going to be good. I think there's some players where we know what we're getting, and these ones, we don't. That's why they're X-Factors. And if you think I'm a fool, remember, a couple years ago, I was very right about Hassan Kim being the biggest X-Factor for the Padres that year. And what did he finish with? 3.7 F4. So, you know, your boy every now and then knows what he's talking about. Every now and then. Not always, though. Uh, But before we get into that, guys, just want to say today's episode is brought to you by... One of our favorite sponsors, FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more hits, FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Let's get started with this. We got to start with, in my opinion, one that we already have discussed ad nauseum um, on this show. Um, a little bit anyway. But I think that it's really important to mention him because, again, I don't think anyone's talking about this guy. I think that this is actually one of the most low-key people. Um, on the list, I think. Um, And that's Robert Suarez. Uh, Bullpen, obviously. And it's been up and down in terms of reporting, right? In terms of what is exactly going on here? What is the closer situation between him, Matsui, Go, um, whoever, right? Heck, maybe De Los Santos gets a couple saves every now and then. We'll have to see. Don't get me wrong. We don't know exactly what it is, but it sounds like Robert Robert Suarez is the, the favorite candidate to potentially win that job. And it's a big deal. It makes sense. Um, he's the one that is, you know, has the highest upside. I think he's been, he was currently on the team anyway, the one with the most, what's what's the word, uh, experience in the setup inning role. He's had some closing situations before, uh, rather infamously, uh, in his first save opportunity for the Padres. Um, was it the 2022 season? Yes, 2022 season, uh, in which he blew the save to start the season, and in which you can go look it up if you want. I don't know when I did this episode, but I recommend go checking it out. Just scroll back. 
look up the season date and what date it was. And I literally talked about how I actually laughed out loud and cackled. And my mom thought I was a psycho. Uh, I think my neighbors thought I was a psycho too. Um, but Suarez, he at least has some experience in high leverage situations. And don't get me wrong, he has some infamous blowups. Uh, this one, the first game of the season, and then against Bryce Harper. But I'd argue that those were two situations that he shouldn't have been placed in in the first place. Um, I think the first one was roster construction. I get it. They didn't expect to necessarily have to use Suarez at one point to be the closer because of the health of Drew Pomeranz, for example, and then they end up getting Taylor Rodgers. But the second time was, in my opinion, a managerial issue with um, Bob Melvin. I don't know why he didn't take him out. I think you got to bring in Josh Hader against Bryce Harper. Call me crazy. Um... But with Robert Suarez, last year it looked rough. Um, it's been talked about a lot. I mentioned this in the bullpen episode, but 4.23 ERA, his strikeout rate is the biggest thing. 31.9% in 2022, which is elite, to 22.9% in 2023. That's very bad, um, ladies and gentlemen. That's really, really bad. And I think that one and I think that that's kind of the biggest issue here is just the fact that his whiff percentage also went down almost across the board for nearly all of his pitches. When his four-seam fastball, he wasn't getting swings and misses. His changeup was down a little bit. You know, it was just, it was it was concerning, uh, to say the least, the the, the, the the decrease in a lot of his strikeout stuff. Because that's what he is. He's a pitcher that gets strikeouts. That's what he did in 2022. And he didn't do that last year. Now, granted, that was because of, hopefully, hopefully, which is why he's an X-Factor, is that it was because of health. If Robert Suarez comes back this year and is even in between what he did last year and the year before, that's a pretty decent pitcher. There's some things that suggest he can. Still has a really good extension. He's still got the same velocity that worked for him before, and he still can generate at least a decent amount of ground balls. We just need to see the whiffs. And maybe he wasn't properly allocating his pitches. That happens sometimes, right? He started using his changeup a little bit more. He wasn't using his sinker as much. Maybe there are some things that they can fine-tune, but I like that the velocity hasn't gone away from any of his pitches. And at the very minimum, I like that his expected ERA is actually lower um, than it was last year. At 3.23 was his expected ERA last year compared to the 4.2 that he had. So again, I think he's a huge X-factor because if this guy works and is back, you're not really going to feel that badly the absence of hater because in my opinion the rest of the Padres bullpen has been evened out given more depth and who knows maybe they'll bring on another arm and the fact that they just have more guys they can try out we have to see what happens with Randy Vasquez and Johnny Brito that's going to be something to follow in spring training and what have you um but for now, like, I just love how many, like, options they have. You know, Niebla has so many, like, toys to play with, I guess, right? So I'm really excited about that. But if you have Suarez be good, then you have the closer figured out. You give time to Matsui. It just feels like it evens out the rest of the roster, um, at least when it comes to the bullpen. And if he's good, man, I I'm telling you, you are not going to feel the pain as much. But if he's not good, the downside is you have this guy at minimum to 2026, and then he has a player opt-out for one more year. Uh, a player option uh, with two years, sixteen million remaining. So that's going to be the the issue, right? He's making ten million this year and then ten million next year. Um, again, I don't think that this is a situation. You know, first of all, I want to say shouts to my guy for getting the bag <laughs> after you know finally debuting at like age thirty. Like that must feel amazing to like grind all that way and then get paid immediately. And I'm not saying that this. Him being paid so immediately, I mean, I'm not saying this is like Doc Rivers, where like the fraud allegations are being thrown and it's like you he pulled off a heist, you know, this is the, our next Hosmer, but for the bullpen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the downside is, wow, another Preller like prisoner of the moment invested in this guy. And that's pretty pricey for a reliever, even if it's not what 
haters getting right now. It's still tops among relief pitchers, or at least it's in the top 15 or so. So if Robert Torres is good, that is huge for this team. I really do genuinely believe that. But ladies and gentlemen, we talked a lot about Suarez. And we got some more players to talk about. We do. And let me tell you, it's a lot of pitchers. It's a lot of pitchers. Pitchers is the big thing for the Padres this year, man. Like, seriously, it's, dare I say, all about the pitching. All about the pitching. And we got some fun ones at the end that we're going to talk about, guys. But before we get into the next pitcher, who is an X-Factor for the Padres this next year, I want to take a quick second to talk to you about Ibotta, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the thing. When it's the new year, you make a bunch of resolutions. Ah, oh, I want to lose weight. You know, that, that was mine, for example. I want to be, be more fit and whatnot. Some people, you know, it's crazy out here. Some people are like, I need to save money. And sometimes that's very hard. But Ibotta makes it just a little bit easier. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because they give you a little bit of extra cash for all of your spendings. When you go to the grocery store and whatnot, you can get extra cash back. It is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to posters to picture frames to video games and toys, whatever. They give you cash back on a bunch of different things, guys, and you have to check it out so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Average Ibotta user saves up to 145 bucks a year. That's just on average. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Maybe get you a Padres ticket. You want to get like an extra ticket maybe for this year? Maybe go see the Padres after they win 98 games? You're going to want to say you're a part of it. Ibotta is going to help you out so you can afford that. Check it out, guys. Join the over 50 million savers and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our Locked On Padres listeners. That's right. Our Locked On Padres listeners. $5 just for trying Ibotta using the code LOCKEDONMLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code what is it say it to yourself right now i know you're listening or watching come on there you go that's right locked on mlb that's i-b-o-t-t-a you bought it in the google play or apple app store code locked on mlb for five bucks off go check it out and just like that ladies and gentlemen we are back here on the locked on padres podcast we are thriving and in some cases, buying, if you were checking out Ibotta. Uh, let's keep it going, though, with the X-Factors. Next one is a, a bit of an obvious one. Um, and for me, I, dare I say the biggest X-Factor about this is the fact that he is, like, infinitely more famous now because of the trade. And that is Michael King um, of the New York Yankees, formerly of the New York Yankees, the centerpiece of the Juan Soto trade. This is, again, very obvious one, but we got to talk about it because if Michael King is good, then all of a sudden, the Juan Soto trade, it's like, oh, wow, they got a good starting pitcher in return. Let me tell you one thing. Um, a lot of the metrics seem to love him. And I've talked about this before, but basically every time he's been healthy, which is a big if, he has been phenomenal. Since 2022, 2.6 ERA, 30.6 strikeout rate across 155 innings. Do I need to say any more? Not really, right? Like, there's not really much more I need to say there. He has a lot of talent. Really good four-seamer, really good changeup, and the secondary pitches, also, they don't let people, he, he doesn't give a big, hard contact. He's not letting, so this isn't a guy who, I feel like sometimes baseball fans, and it could just be me, that you assume that guys who are getting a lot of strikeouts are eventually going to, you know, let up a big one, and that has not been the case 
with Michael King, at least not really. Um, with both of those pitches being something that batters are hitting uh, slugging under 100 against, right? So this is this is like one of those guys. His big thing is going to be health. But the bigger thing is, can he be a legitimate number three? Because if he's a legitimate number three, then a lot of the issues the Padres have may be alleviated. Um, and I'm really excited about that. I think that King is going to be awesome. I really do. Um, at the very minimum, he should be solid. Um, and if he's just solid, because remember, he's a number three, and I think that that's the perfect role for him, or at least the perfect expectation for him, um, because, you know, with the Soto trade, you're going to be losing a lot of offense. Um, I personally believe that they already have a lot of offense on this team. It's just that nobody drove anyone in last year because they were just genuinely unbelievably bad with runners in scoring position last year. And when you look at the teams that were bad with runners in scoring position, it was like some of the lower level teams. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that there weren't others that struggled at times. I think the Red Sox weren't great with runners in scoring position for the year. But like some of these teams that were a little bit better than them, like the A's were better. I'm pretty sure last year the runners in scoring position, which is why I am saying I expect the offense to bounce back. Pitching, on the other hand, I don't know, because you kind of got some career years from Michael Waka and Seth Lugo, especially Seth Lugo, and you got a decent amount out of um, uh, Blake Snell from last time I checked, you know, a little Cy Young award that he had there. So you kind of had, like, every single starting pitcher, for the most part, kind of, like, hit the peak ceiling that we had been talking about preseason. But um, I don't know if that's going to continue this year. I feel like that's the issue, right? Where I don't think that's going to continue. I think the offense will get better based on what I just mentioned. Where they, they, Come on, you got to be better than the A's with driving runners and then the Royals, teams like that, just based on the talent, right? That's just regression to the mean. But the pitching, I'm not necessarily so certain about that. I don't know if everyone had career years, and you're not going to be able to do that again, even if you did get a bunch of new arms. But Michael King could be one of those guys. Um, obviously, health is a concern, but all the peripherals look great. This is a genuinely super talented guy, 28 years old. I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. And I think that if this guy is a hit, Ewing Theory, I've been talking about this all offseason, that like if he's able to be really good, then a lot of people are going to be like, wow, the Padres are better without Juan Soto. And not to mention, you know what's really nice? $3.15 million is always owed this year. And then they have him under control for one more year. So this isn't a rental. Like You get him from one extra year, and he's really cheap. There's the potential that Michael King is looked at this year as one of the cheapest great pitchers in the sport. Um, there's a chance of that. Um, don't get me wrong. There's some other ones out there. I, heck, I'm just guessing that the Braves probably paid some great pitcher of theirs like a dollar for three years because that's how they are. Or the Dodgers are going to pay someone and defer all the payments. But in all seriousness, I really do think that he could be that. I think that he might be talked about as one of the great like bargains in Major League Baseball. Um, obviously his ARP could go up the next year, but that's just what I'm feeling. Um, Michael King, can he do it? Can he make up for the loss of Soto in like a spiritual standpoint? Because I think the lineup is going to. I don't know about the pitching though, and he's a big part of that. But he's not the only pitcher, guys. He's not the only pitcher. Yeah, two of the biggest Padres X-Factors, guess what? They're starting pitchers. It's you Darvish as the other one. Um, but it's not specifically you Darvish as a player. It's you Darvish's health. It is you, Darvish's health, ladies and gentlemen, because that's what I think it all comes down to. When you look at Darvish's season last year, and I will say, you know, Saris does like a fun, who's like a big fantasy guy, big analytics guy for the athletic. He does like a Stuff Plus um, statistic. And Stuff Plus loves the Padres this year, let me tell you. Um, and they loved them last year, so there is precedent for this. They loved them last year, and it actually likes even the kind of back 
of the rotation potential starters in Randy Vasquez and in Johnny Brito. 97 stuff plus for Johnny Brito is pretty decent for a number five starter. 93 for Randy Vasquez. Not going to harp on that too much. We'll talk about them surely during the rest of the offseason for sure. But stuff plus still likes you, Darvish. And none of the the usual peripherals are gone there. He can still miss bats. The spin rate is there. He still throws a lot of pitches. And if you want to look at some unlucky things, his BABIP was really high last year. Um, his BABIP, let me see if I can pull that up right here. Where is it? Was 319, which is much higher than his career total of 285. I know that doesn't sound like the craziest difference. It's not like, you know, what I talked about yesterday or the day before about Cody Bellinger's weighted on base compared to his expected was like a 60-point difference, which is why everyone's afraid of signing him right now. Um, but with you Darvish, I mean, 319 and... The other thing is if you couple that with the health stuff, and his health is a little bit similar to the injuries that he's had before in the past, and if people might forget, by the way, you Darvish at one point, like, how do I put this? You Darvish, he hasn't been his whole career up and down, like, say, Eric Hosmer, you know what I mean? Like, he was really good for a while in Texas, where his, like, worst year was a 3.41 ERA, but as soon as he got to... The Cubs, that first year, this man had a 4.95 ERA. And prior to that season, people were worried about his health. And health seemed to have been an issue for him. And that's why he was so bad that year, 4.95 ERA. He only made, let's see here, he only made eight starts, right? He was a health mess. And then he came back the next year and he bounced back. And then he came back the year after that in 2020 and was nearly a Cy Young winning pitcher, even if it was in a short season. Then in 2022, I'm sorry, 2021, he was at least, at the very minimum, he still pitched, you know, 166 innings. That's one thing about Darvish is that he isn't, it's it's disappointing when the name value doesn't match the on-field production because that's sometimes what happens with him. Super famous player, obviously, being an international player, but even still, he's not, like, awful. You know what I mean? He still gets you a couple wins above replacement. He still gets you a decent amount of innings. It's just that when he's on, that's when the real Yu Darvish is, is there. And you saw 4.22 ERA that first year with the Padres collapse second half. And what happened? Some back issues, right? We were getting that after the All-Star break. We were hearing about that. And I'm not saying that this injury concern is going to go away. That's why the X factor is his health. Because he's still 36 years old. So he's still old. But remember... Then in 2022, he was awesome. He was healthy basically the full way. And while, yes, the strikeout stuff did go down, you know, which is to be expected, it went from 29.2% to 25%. He made up for it for the fact that he wasn't giving up, you know, home runs every five minutes. And he was really good, 3.1 ERA. And then this past year, similar injury to what he had when he was first entering to the Cubs. So if he can get past that, you Darvish and Michael King, this is exactly why all offseason I have been saying I am not on DEFCON 4 or 1, whichever is the highest one. I am more in the middle where it's like, yeah, they could use a starter. Don't get me wrong. But I wasn't as DEFCON 1 as other people where it was like, we need to trade for Cease. We need to trade for Glass now. We need to trade for Bieber. I don't think they need to do that. And they certainly don't with Michael King. And you're going to be really surprised by Padres starting pitching if you Darvish is healthy because I still think he's got it. I'm not saying that that means I think that the contract that was given out was great, but I really do think that Darvish, it's just all health, man. I really do. And if that's the case, if he's a number three, whatever, at times he can flirt with being a number one starter, and he's certainly the guy that you want to kind of hand the ball to in big games. And even there were times last year when, like, the Padres needed a good start. Like, I remember, I think it was against the Angels, and he delivered a good start. So he's still got it in there, and if there's someone to bet on, 
tinkering and aging gracefully, it is you, Darvish. So he's an X factor for this year, particularly because of his health. Because if he does get hurt, Padres could be in trouble. Because then they'll have two pitchers in that in that rotation that are really health oriented, and then I'm not sure what happens after that because then they have to start calling up Robbie Snelling, Dylan Lesko, Drew Thorpe, some prospects. Then it, then that's where the concern hits in. So that's a big thing is his health. Not as much with Michael King, only because he's 28 and. It's hard because I think I think Darvish has had a longer, um, a longer a sample size of health being a big issue for him. Like I said, since that Cubs time, while Michael King has been lately, ever since he's been slowly converting to being a full time starter. So that's just me. Um, but what do I know, guys? I'm an idiot. Uh, but before we continue talking, guys, I'm going to talk to you about something that idiots ignore, and that's good offers, ladies and gentlemen. Not my best transition, but it's okay. We're going to land the plane. Let's talk about FanDuel, everybody. Look, it's the Super Bowl this Sunday. Obviously, you know this. And FanDuel, America's number one sports book, would like to say, happy Super Bowl weekend to you. And, of course, they're not just saying that and not giving you anything in return. This ain't no empty statement. We're talking about FanDuel, man. They got you covered. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, guess what? I'm going to be getting food. I'm going to be getting a nice seat on the couch. And I'm going to be texting my friends about their bets. Because, oh, man, everyone's going to be placing their bets. Because there's fun bets all over the place. And FanDuel has you covered. Prop bets. You know, the over-unders are going to be there. There's probably going to be really funny ones, too. Like, you know, will Taylor Swift propose to Travis Kelsey and vice versa? Will, you know, will what what color will the Gatorade be? How many crypto commercials will we get? Whatever. I, probably not many this year. You know what I mean? <laughs> it looks like that trend is, is, is not going down by the wayside lately. But you get my point. They have all that fun stuff. Me personally, I'm all the way in on Pacheco or Christian McCaffrey. I think we're due for a big running back type of Super Bowl. And it's like the type of thing that no one expects anymore. And that's why I think it'll happen. And also because Isaiah Pacheco is Puerto Rican. So I'm going to root for him. Um, but guys, let me tell you, FanDuel has so many other ways that you can bet. New customers join today and you'll get two Hundred dollars, two hundred dollars in bonus bets if your five dollar bet hits. That's it, five dollars or more. If that hits, then boom, you got an extra two hundred. So just visit fanduel.com/slash locked on to sign up. Fanduel.com/slash locked on for that nice two hundred buckaroo bonus. I'm telling you, try try Pacheco McCaffrey. You won't be disappointed. When am I ever let you down? Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And just like that, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, because this is not a football podcast, despite the ad read. This is a basketball. Crazy, right? Just, just, I'm basketball. Wow, I messed up. Sorry, I, I got a text about basketball right when I said that. Uh, baseball, ladies and gentlemen, let's continue talking about the X factors for the Padres this year. We've talked about Michael King. We've talked about Darvish. We've talked about Rob Suarez. The last one, or two of the last ones we got to talk about, Luis Campisano. Is the next one. And here's the thing. I actually heard, like, um, I was listening to a podcast that is going to come in handy a little bit later um, that someone pointed out to me. And I was listening to our boy, our boy, our boy Ruben Niebla, uh, talking about Luis Campisano a little bit and how, like, I feel like in this interview, he kind of alluded to Campisano being young, right? Like, this is a young guy still. And I, I think that it's, I don't like to do the thing where I assume that I'm smarter than people who are running baseball. But I very famously, you know, I did the whole Campisano Hive thing last year. 
And I was genuinely really annoyed by how the Padres handled him. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think that they've handled him and other prospects poorly, where they're kind of like forcing the issue. Do I think it's a coincidence that Mackenzie Gores went from like, not Gores, but Mackenzie Gores, um, you know, uh, development process got weirdly halted and he was like not pitching for three months and it was with the Padres specifically the Padres I f- just feel like for whatever reason that that doesn't happen with another org and I know that he hasn't been like amazing with Washington whatever you get my point um that guy went from literally the number one pitching prospect in baseball to outside the top 100 in like a year and like that rarely happens in my experience right even say let's give an example of Robert Hassel not everybody's super high on these days who we dealt to Washington, but he didn't dip out of the top 100, right? So that's that's where I'm at right now, where it's kind of like with the Padres, you just don't trust them with pitching or with their prospects in general, I should say. Calling up C.J. Abrams when you had Hassan Kim. And when they called up Luis Campizano, he's pinch hitting against Kenley Jansen, right? Like I just didn't like how they use him. And every time you get a hit or have a two-hit game, he'd be benched the next day. Or every time he had like three bad games, then they'd send him back down. It was just the way they used him was so inconsistent. And then lo and behold, he's awesome last year. 319, 356, 491 slash line, 134 WRC plus, good for 1.1 wins above replacement, which is awesome. Seven bombs and just 49 games. Don't get me wrong. It was 49 games though. And while the Campisano Hive was living last year, we were out in full force, let me tell you. Absolutely out in full force, uh, in the streets, marching in the streets, telling the truth. You know what I mean? Like just speaking our truth. It, it was phenomenal stuff. It is true that it was 49 games. So this is a big X factor for this year because there is a world in which Luis Campuzano is not just good for this team, but a top seven or so catcher. However, he really needs to rake in the offense if that was to happen because I don't know if he's going to be able to fix the defense. But that being said, I like the way Ruben Yebo talked about um, Campuzano, because it felt like he was subtly implying that, like, a few years ago working with him, not always there, and it seems like he might be maturing a bit. And that's important. And frankly, you know, I have heard personally from my own sources that, yeah, there might have been some problems here. Uh, there might have been some problems with just getting him to buy in. Um, might have been, you know, just some, some, a guy being young. Let's put it that way. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about, you know, his arrest or anything like that. I'm saying that, like, you know, He's still acclimating to the big league. He's still acclimating to being on a team. He's still figuring out how to listen to suggestions and listen to, you know, what's going to work, how to take in those, how to adapt to those things. He's young, right? And I heard some things personally myself that I won't get into, but that might be evidence for why maybe the Padres weren't starting him all the time. Now, again, for all the reasons I mentioned before, I don't necessarily trust them with all that stuff with how they use their prospects. But there seems to be some evidence from what I've heard and what we've seen and everything that's been reported that maybe there was actually justification in that. And also the defense still needs a lot of work. But if he can just figure that out, maybe the acquisition of Cal Higashioka helps out, who is a catcher's, you know, catcher's catcher. Like he's going to be a decent defensive catcher. He's going to he's a really solid backup. Um, giving me not Victor Caratini vibes, who was Puerto Rican, so he's a legend, of course, but just vibes of being like a steady, decent catcher who can play behind this guy. And if if Campuzano improves the glove a little bit, which I don't know if is, is a guarantee, it's hard for me. I'm not very good at tracking how catchers grow. Catcher's just such a weird position, in my experience, covering to see how exactly they're going to get better. I just I never know what, how that works, especially when it comes to the defensive side of things. If it can get better, frankly, um, I don't think he's going to be a plus catcher defensively. This isn't JT Romuto or Cal Raleigh or Adley Rutschman, right? But if this is a dude who's like a one 
15 WRC plus who gets you 20 home runs, hits like 260 around there. That's going to be a huge plus uh, for this team. And I think that he can get better with the starting pitchers. I think that he's working with them more is what it sounds like, right? Like they're going to figure this out. And that's huge. Hey, I remember a couple years ago when Joe Musgrove reportedly was like, let's figure out how to work with this guy. Even when some of the other pitchers wanted Austin Nola to catch for them, who wasn't <laughs> doing anything offensively. So my opinion is he could secretly be awesome. I'd be taking him in my fantasy drafts, frankly, because at the very minimum, I just think he's a really good hitter. And that's basically been something that has, hasn't changed in the minor leagues at all. So if he is if he improves defensively to the point where he's just not a liability, this is a winner. And also, if he improves greatly, all of a sudden, he becomes an incredibly interesting asset going forward. So look at it that way. Even if the Padres aren't good, if Luis Campizano is just a good catcher, we have Ethan Salas just hanging out down there in the minor leagues as, like, for some people, a top three prospect in all of baseball. And the kid's, like, 18. Younger, he's, like, eight years younger than me, which is wild. And then, all of a sudden, you have Luis Campizano. That is an awesome problem to have and a problem that... Not many other teams have. You know what I mean? Not many other teams get to say, aside from like Atlanta, that they have two really ex- interesting catching prospects on their hands. And remember, Campizano is only 24. You've got him under control. And that's a lot of fun. Maybe you can, if again, if Salas progresses, then maybe next year we're talking about trading Campizano or whatever. I don't know. But bottom line is it's really exciting. And if he's good, the rest of the Padres are going to be good too. And I'm really confident in it. I've liked this guy for a while whenever I let you down. I told y'all. I told y'all last year that he was going to be good. Last X factor for the Padres. It's not a player. That's right. It's Mike Schilt, the manager. <sighs> Speaking of podcasts I was listening to about the camp he's on apart, shouts to my guy Josh. Um, what is your at? I always forget what your at is. Let me see. At J underscore Landy, Glenn Auto Apologist on Twitter. He pointed this out to me and asked, not sure if you heard Niebla's comments on the contrast between Schilt and Melvin on Ben and Woods, but would love to hear your thoughts on potentially Padres fans owing Preller an apology, including myself, massively. Including myself massively, he says. Um, First of all, you don't owe AJ Preller an apology, Josh. No one does. Um, This is a guy who's been on the job for a while now, has not had any team win over 89 games, and is on his sixth manager. So you don't owe him an apology. And you don't owe him an apology because he's made a lot of bad moves. But if you're talking about an apology for this move, here's how I see it. I think there's a universe in which Mel it's it's a it's good for both parties, right? And I did listen to the interview. And one of the things that Nuyebel talked about was he thought that he was a little bit of a better fit to work with him personally. I don't think that that was him taking a shot. If it was, that's hilarious. Um, I don't think that was him taking a shot, but just saying, you know, this guy works better with me, that he has his own type of um, input, and we just work well off of each other, different personality types. It's impossibly hard, especially for a schmuck like me, to weigh the impact that a manager has on a team. They definitely matter. It's just really hard in a sport that, like, so often is ruled by numbers. It's very hard to figure out how much of an impact a manager has. So I almost feel like sometimes you just look at track record. And if you do that, it's got a great track record. I think it's possible that we're in a situation where Melvin needed to leave the Padres and the Giants really work well for Melvin. And the Padres really needed... Melvin to leave, not because he was bad, but because he didn't work with Preller or Niebla or whatever as well. And maybe, you know, hey, if anything, maybe Niebla is like, hey, I told you not to use Luis Garcia. (laughs) 
No, I'm kidding. But in all seriousness, that could be what the situation is here. That's the upside. And that's why I think Mike Schultz and X Factor. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, and also, part of this, it's really hard to gauge this as well. Same thing with the impact of the manager. The Padres clubhouse. Um, we've gotten reports on this for like three years now. And personally, I have no idea. I have no idea. Guys, I'd heard at some point that it was like Soto and Tatis didn't get along. Obviously, Manny and Tatis are two guys that people talk about all the time because of their famous out in the open yelling match and everything. It's not all about you, blah, 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 blah. All those things. And Tatis says all the right things. Maybe they hate each other. Now, granted, you can still make that work. Everyone go look up Beef History. Uh, that S- um, Sorry, not SB Nation. Secret Base did um, a while back between Jeff Ken and Barry Bonds. But... I think that's a big X factor for this team. I think it's going to be important to hopefully have a manager that is going to be in there that knows how to calm a lot of big personalities and a lot of highly paid players when things aren't going super well, when they need a win, when you're in those clutch situations. Maybe Melvin wasn't perfect for that. Maybe he needs to be around in San Francisco where he's from, right? Like that's totally fine. You know what I mean? Again, I don't think that this... I really genuinely think this could be a situation where Melvin... Like, both sides win between the Giants and the Padres. Like, both needed their guy. Um, And the other thing is, I'm just... I said this a lot. I'm just happy it wasn't Ryan Flaherty. Or, um, apologies for a Padres legend. What was his name? Angels guy. I'm blanking on his name. um, Heath. No. Dang. I forgot his name. Um, It'll come to me. First baseman. Um... Padres fans are probably losing their mind. You fake fan! Get a real fan to host a podcast! Ah, he doesn't know his name! Um, but I'm excited about that because those guys felt very like classic Preller. Well, this is like a guy with a lot of experience. Last time he was managing, he was like a manager of the year guy with the Cardinals. So again, I think that this is a big wild card um, for the team because if things, if the going gets tough, you're going to need a manager that can work with this group. Can he? I don't know. Um, we're going to see, but I do like the comments that I heard from the podcast. Shouts to Ben and Woods. Uh, great show. Everyone should go check them out. I listen to them fairly often. I just happened to miss this one. Uh, just really great guys. They're so funny. I love those guys. I love how active they are on Twitter sometimes too. Um, so shouts to them. Go check out that episode if you want, um, with Ruben Abel on the show. And yeah, that basically does it guys. Those are my five biggest X factors for the team this year. And there are, Many other players are going to be interesting. We got to talk about Randy Vasquez and Johnny Brito at one point. Like, we're going to do that on the podcast. We're going to rank the best Padres players. We're going to talk about Mike Schilt a whole lot more. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. You know me. I like to be creative. We're going to talk about, like, I want to go through all the many players the Padres have been attached to over the years since, like, I I took over the show, which is, like, 2019. So I want to go through that. Like, remember when Joey Gallo, that the reports where they needed to give up C.J. Abrams and Mackenzie Gore for him? wild wild times and i know ignore how you feel about them as players right now those are like the best prospects (laughs) in the sport practically at that time so it's really funny to look back at that so we're going to be doing that as well guys and whatever comes up because i still think the padres have a move to make i think it's a bat someone actually commented on the channel the other day jesse winker you're with me, man. You're with me. And I think that Jesse Winker can be a really effective platoon guy because he hits well. Um, I think his, I think he crushes righties, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that would be big for him. And if you just keep him at DH and don't let him see the field at all, it could be an interesting pickup. So I still think that there's some pickups to be made and some moves to talk about until we get to opening day. And honestly, guys, I think opening day will be here before you know it. I really do. 
It's just this next month. But don't worry. My advice, watch some cool shows. I heard Mr. and Mrs. Smith is really great. Watch college basketball. I've been loving the women's tournament and all that right now. Not the women's tournament. We're not there yet. But that's going to be a lot of fun with Clark and all them and, you know, Joaquin's and all them. It's going to be awesome. Uh, can't wait for that. March Madness. So just be distracted by things because I'm telling you, opening day is going to be here before you know it. And I'm really excited for it. And you should be too. And that about does it for today's edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, guys. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcast from. Follow me on Twitter, either account, follow on YouTube, and be hyped, ladies and gentlemen. And go check out my work on Just Baseball. Until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful, my fire faithful homies. Take care.